Sorry, I think that is like the most overhyped song for that type of video, if I'm gonna be honest. Sounds like I'm in like National Treasure or something, uh, which is fitting for this weekend. Uh, welcome to 4th of July in Washington. Uh, if you uh, look outside, it is pouring down rain, which is a double-edged sword. Uh, it means nothing will catch on fire, but it also means that we won't be outside. So, uh, my name is Tyler. I'm here to give a couple quick announcements. Uh, coming up in the next couple of weeks, we have an event called Cookies for Cause put on uh, by our very own Marcy Van Winkle. She's over here. Raise your hand and wave. She doesn't like that, so I'm in trouble. Um, but uh, there's 20 spots per class. It's going to be here at MRCC. It's $50. All of the proceeds go towards our building fund for our new kids building coming up. If you have any questions regarding that or you'd like to sign up, you can scan the barcode in the seat back in front of you or you can uh, reach out to Marcy and get your questions answered. Coming up on July 17th is our first church picnic and we uh, need your help. Uh, set up, clean up, tear down, uh, food prep, all of it. Uh, we need your help. So if you'd like to volunteer for that, sign up. Again, scan the barcode, or you can sign up at the Guest Center. And then coming up on Friday is our first movie night of the summer. And we have the most insane amount of sugar and candy that your kids will love. So the movie starts at sundown. You can show up you know, 6.30 to 7 and just hang out, do some yard games and whatnot. But before Pastor Dave comes up and brings the word, I have to clarify something. His shirt is not pink. It's salmon. It's salmon colored. Thank you, Tyler. Appreciate it. I walked right into that one because um, we were giving Greg a few years ago a really hard time about his shirt. Kept saying it was Sam, but it was really pink. So I think this is red, really. Yeah. Hey, um, <clears throat> this morning, you know, we're going to have a little fun, but, but we're also going to be serious. And uh, Weston last week talked about how all of us in the office are nerds. I have a rebuttal for that. Okay? <clears throat> now, Here's the funny thing. <clears throat> we, we have a, a monthly pastor's breakfast, and I tried to get a resolution passed that you could not talk about things that started with the letter M. And my hope was to try to not have them talk about movies, Marvel, or music. <laughs> Alas, I was voted down, and so the trend continues. Um, the other thing, too, I wanted to just share with you this morning is that uh, I have a photo of Greg. He's making great progress. <laughs> yeah, he, he's almost, I think, to Tacoma. Uh, but, but he's doing good and uh, getting a little bit of a suntan. Today is probably not a great day to ride. Um, anyway, so anyway, I just want to have some fun with him. And uh, I know I'm going to pay for that big time. Okay, that's, that's a given. So anyway, um, so today my message has two parts. <clears throat> it has a why and it has a how. And, but before we start, I just want to, I want to bow our heads this morning. I just want to say a quick short prayer as we begin. 
Father God, we're just, we're just glad to be in your presence, Lord. And you know, Father, I just pray this morning that you would open our minds and our hearts to receive things on your terms. I pray that you would just, um, you know, despite the, the weaknesses of the messenger, I pray that you would speak to individual hearts. I pray that you would remove any barriers that we have that keep us from getting in step with you. And so uh, we just ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So this morning, <clears throat> we're going we're gonna to talk about discipleship. And uh, that, that's probably kind of a weird, uh, weird title, but I think as I go forward, you'll kind of figure out sort of how I arrived at that. Um, one of the things we want to talk about <clears throat> this morning is why discipleship is important. And, and by the way, if you're not somebody who takes some notes... Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fix this mic wire because it's driving me nuts. Um, if, you, if you don't take notes, you might want to this morning because there's, there's a lot of keywords and, and a lot of little ideas that are very well worth writing down. And I don't know about you guys, but my retention is 10 times better if I write something down. It just, it just sticks. So we're going to talk about the importance of discipleship. And we know that it's important. We know that it's a necessary part of our walk with Jesus. And here's the reality, guys. If, if you were to ask 10 people what discipleship is, you would get 10 different answers, okay? You would get answers ranging from, well, I never even thought about it much, to somebody actually having a pretty comprehensive idea of what it is. I recall probably 10, 12 years ago when I was in the, uh, the membership class, you get to the, to the last week of the membership class and they, and they ask you, what are your gifts? What do you, how can you plug in? Where can you help? What's your calling? And, and I remember kind of going, well, I can teach, but how does that fit into a church? You know, how do, how do I connect? What do I do? Where do I plug in? All those questions. And I think the reality is that most of us struggle with that, to find where we fit into the equation of the church body. <clears throat> this picture up on the screen illustrates some feet on, on the sand. And you notice that the sand around the feet is not disturbed. And... This picture kind of came to my mind as we were developing some concepts for our men's ministries, for Band of Brothers. And the key words, next step, sort of became our moniker that all of our men need to take a step. They need to take a next step, irregardless of how big or small it is, they just need to take a step. I'm going to start off this morning, and uh, we kind of messed up the, the scripture slide for the first one, so you won't have that one, but it's out of Ephesians chapter 4, 11 through 15, and it says the following, it was he who gave to be, some to be apostles, some to be prophets, 
some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers, to prepare people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by waves, blown here and there by every wind of teaching, by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful schemes. The implication is that we are at risk in our faith when we're not mature. And so we want to grow into maturity so that we are more steadfast, so we're stronger to all the pressures that build up. The end of the scripture finishes, instead, speaking in truth and love, we will, we will in all things grow up into him who is head. This, this message today, we talk about this all the time, is about taking God on his terms. Okay, pastor's jobs, my job, Greg's job, all of our staff jobs for our pastors is to not simply give you knowledge, but also help you develop spiritual activity. The body is equipped for works of ministry. The implication is that the body will do work and that we are to grow up as we do that work. It is a dynamic directive. We're going to take a look in a minute here at, at discipleship. I'm going to grab a quick drink of water. And keep in mind that this is Webster's, so it's, it's kind of a secular look at what they think discipleship is, but... They use four words, follower, adherent, disciple, partisan. All those words mean one who gives full loyalty, key word, and support, key word, to another. Follower may, be, may apply to people who attach themselves either to a person or belief of another, an evangelist and his followers. I would, I would change that to, say, Jesus and his followers because, you know, Greg always is telling us that, that pastors are nothing more than sheepdogs. We run around and bark a lot, and we just chase you back to the master so that, so that we're not that important. Adherent suggests a close, persistent attachment. Disciple implies a devoted allegiance to the teachings of one chosen as the master. Partisan suggests a zealous prejudice attachment. Now, even though they're secular, they, all, these, all these definitions imply a high level of commitment. Let's take a look at a, at a story that happened on a beach, actually. Matthew chapter 4, verse 18 to 22. 
It says, as Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers. Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said. I will send you out to fish for people. At once, they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee, preparing the nets. Jesus called to them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Jesus offers them an invitation. There is an expectation from Jesus that there will be a response. Response is a key word. It's a yes or a no. Their response was immediate. They didn't say, well, let me think about it for a bit. Or can I get back with you tomorrow? Peter and Andrew decided instantaneously. They did not stop to consider leaving the boat or the nets. They did not hesitate. For crying out loud, James and John left their dad sitting in the boat. Now, they had no idea where they were going. They had no idea what they were going to be doing or how long it was going to take. They simply followed Jesus. We Americans have a funny way of weighing our options. I have this choice. I have that choice. Which one benefits me the most? A lot of the time, we make decisions based on how we feel. What's the short-term benefit? Or what's the long game? Sometimes we decide on whether there's inconvenience involved or whether there's hardship involved. Honestly, we like the easiest path of resist or the least path of resistance. Luke chapter 9, 23, and he said to all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Can we agree that deny himself implies giving up some things? Can we agree that taking up your cross daily implies daily sacrifice for the kingdom and for others? 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 21, for to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. What have we been called to? Well, that varies. For everybody, it's a little bit different. But it does imply that there's some activity involved, some spiritual work. If you're interested in looking into more of what that kind of work looks like, Pastor Weston last week referred to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. It lists all the spiritual gifts in there. Go take some time to look. Maybe it'll help you find kind of what your wheelhouse is, what you're, what you're good at. How God can use you. 
The second implication in this passage is that salvation costs something. Jesus suffered for the lost. He suffered for us. And then he showed us how to suffer for others. We should come out of that process desiring to follow Jesus' example. Imagine for a second that you're walking down this beach with Jesus and the disciples and, and one or all of them say to Jesus, Lord, Lord, can, can we just sit on this rock and just enjoy the view? Take a few days to relax. Can we, why do we have to go over there? Why do we have to do that? Jesus is on a mission, okay? There's work to be done. There's a, Jesus has a sense of urgency about his work. The kingdom is a dynamic place. We, we were created to grow through participation. There's another, there's another word that, that is key, participation within the scope of, of these activities, these spiritual activities. Don't you love Seahawk fans? I love Seahawk fans. The twelfth man. I love. I love that. I love. Love that. Uh, that jersey that has a twelve on it. You know. You know what Seahawk fans think? They think that they actually take part in the game. They think they have something to do with the game. They don't. You know what they do? They make noise. That's it. Okay. They're not down on the field. Okay. Jesus wants us in the game. He wants his church in the game. Innately. All of us want to be better tomorrow than we were yesterday, okay, or today. We want to be healthier. We want to be emotionally stronger. We want to be more spiritually grounded. We want to be wiser. And we, you know, Dean's a life coach. We, we go to guys like Dean. We, we go and get ourselves a gym membership. We do all sorts of things to improve the quality of our life. We long, all of us long for fruitful lives. None of us want to go backwards. Yet the Bible tells us that when we don't press onward, we do go backwards. John 12, 26, if anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. So Jesus is over here, the servant's over there also. Okay? Activity is involved in that process. The natural come of actively walking with and working side by side with Jesus is the growth that our hearts really want deep down inside. And if we do so, we'll have fruitful lives and we'll be rewarded if we do so. James in James chapter 2, verse 20 to 24, says some pretty strong words about spiritual activity. He says, do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? 
Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active along with his works. And faith was completed by his works. And the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. And he was called a friend of God. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. Hey, what James is saying here is what we do, what we that, that what we do brings authenticity to our faith. What we do is evidence of our faith. Paul frames this slightly differently in Ephesians 2, 8 to 10. He said, for it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. But get this, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared for us in advance to do, or prepared for us in advance for us to do. What Paul is saying here is that through God's gift of salvation, we were remade. God's handiwork created in Jesus suggests that when we are saved, we are a new creation with a new purpose. The process of salvation and sanctification should lead us to do good works. Make a note that sanctification is the ongoing work of the Holy Spirit, which transforms us into the likeness of Jesus. Get this. We are continually being set aside and prepared for special use. It's not supposed to be optional, okay? Keep in mind that discipleship is a process. People are at many different places along the spectrum of spiritual growth. Some have greater callings. Some have the calling to be pastors. Some have the calling to, to go out there and do uh, all sorts of different things. But no matter where you are, we all have different gifts. And there's an implication that we are all going somewhere and doing something. Now, you, when you look at that title, you go, well, what, what's the deal with the bearings? What's that got to do with anything? Well, the bearings, if you've ever been in my office... My office is kind of an interesting place, okay? It's kind of like, you know, they, they have that food fight out here. It's like stuff flies all around my office and ends up sticking to the walls, okay? It, it's just the way I am. I have whiteboards. That's how I, that's how I think. I jot and do notes. But anyway, um, a lot of, a lot of this, this part of the, the message has come just kind of out of my weird office ways. But anyway, um, we have a, a, a bearing illustration here. So this is, if you've never thought about the wheel on your car, okay, and what it does, this is what's inside the wheel on your car, okay? Right here, I have a bearing, 
And you put that back up there for a second, John. You have an inner bearing, you have an outer bearing. The bearings get pressed into the hub. The, all the other stuff holds it together. And then you have a cap that keeps dirt and grime and stuff out and it keeps some stuff in too. Bearings are amazing. You know this little thing? This one actually came off my boat trailer, okay? There's nothing wrong with this bearing. It has about 15,000 miles on it. And it's, the only reason it's in my hand is because I had, to, I had to replace the brakes on my boat trailer. And so I just replaced everything while I was doing it. Okay, but I keep it as a backup because if I ever break down, I can use it. Okay, um, but, but these little things are capable of, of going around at very high speeds for hundreds of thousands of miles. They can carry a lot of weight and, and they're just kind of amazing and they do their work out of mind, out of sight. You don't even know they're, they're there doing their thing until they, until they fail, then you know because you need the tow truck, okay? Now, the bearing in a wheel could kind of be compared to our soul, okay? They are, they are both the central part of who we are, and they support everything else, okay? Now, these bearings need one thing, and one thing only, and that's, oil, 90 weight year oil, okay? Nothing else can take its place, all right? Without oil, this bearing going down the road would probably last from maybe here to Buckley, and then it would disintegrate. Our souls need Jesus in the center of them. There is no substitute, period. He is our oil, Without Jesus, the soul withers and dies. It dies now and it dies eternally. <clears throat> now, I have a, another diagram up here I want to show you because this is one I made up. So the one on the right side, the out of balance one, is honestly, a lot of, a lot of us, maybe you're here, I've been here, our faith life is kind of out there on the outer rim. Okay, and, and so our life tends to be out of balance. We tend to have problems prioritizing correctly. In this diagram, we move our faith life to the center of the hub and it brings balance to everything because it becomes a filter, it becomes a center. Everything has to go through there. If it doesn't pass muster in the center of our faith, then it doesn't, it just gets put to side, okay? I, I did, many years ago, I did a study by Chip Ingram. I don't know if you ever heard of Chip Ingram, but uh, he, he does a lot of studies. He's a pastor. Um, and the name of the, of the study was called Balancing Life's Demands. And Chip, in that, in that study, makes the statement that through deception, Satan has convinced us that we can put other things into our soul, into that hub, in, in the place of Jesus, okay? Now, going back to the scriptures that we just read a couple minutes ago, 
Keep in mind that spiritual activity is the evidence of salvation and faith, okay? They did a survey, and, they, and what they found in the survey was that people rated their spiritual activity higher than the actual evidence showed. The survey concluded that people were more deceived about their spiritual priorities and spiritual activity to varying degrees. Remember, spiritual activity is the evidence. So what I want to do, this is the, the, the bearing part is the practical part. It's, it's the how, okay? Here are some tools to help develop your pathway. So number one, we got we to understand that as human beings, we're just prone to deception. We, we just got to own that, okay? We just, we just grab onto stuff. It's like, it's like flies to candy, you know? Candy is just the magnet for everything. So we, ne we need to understand that. We need to understand that a lot of us are affected by cultural ideas, Values, cultural values, cultural norms. And, and those things can lead us off on all kinds of rabbit trails. Okay? Number two, we got to be willing to do some honest inventory. Okay? We all have tendencies to have blind spots about ourselves, you know? And so we gotta be willing to do honest inventory about what our priorities are and whether our, our activities actually line up with those priorities. Now, in Luke 8, 14 and 15, there's, there's an example of this. It says, the seed that fell among the thorns stands for those who hear the word, but they go on their way. They are choked out by life's worries, riches, pleasures. And here's the key, they do not mature. But the seed on good soil stands for those with a good and noble heart who hear the word, retain it, take it in, and by perseverance, produce the crop. Perseverance isn't always fun. Hebrews 11.6 says, without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. That scripture is about, it's a trust issue. A lot of times we won't do stuff because we're, we're not fully trusting God to provide what we need to get that done, okay? Earnestly seeking him means looking for what he desires for us, not what me desire for me. Okay, there's a difference there. Number three, make the hub your filter. The filter should be the word of God. It teaches us the truth. It teaches us how to recognize what is eternally important. And it teaches us how to prioritize our lives for the purpose of the kingdom. The reality is that 
all other things are going to go away, okay? I mean, I, I started this year's fishing season. You know, I had a really great season last year. And I'm, I'm excited about this one. And this thing is disintegrating before my eyes. I mean, we're not even getting to the start dates before they're taking the stuff away, you know? So there's a lot of things in this world that we would love to be able to hold on to and put our trust in, but, but they just are useless, okay? Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 reminds us that the Word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing the soul, spirit, joints, and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of our heart if we allow it to do so. It calls us to the carpet if we'll let it do so. Number four, we are endlessly beating this drum. And that is the drama of join a small group, find a place to serve. And you say, why? <laughs> Here's why. Because in a small group, you enter into deep spiritual conversation and deep spiritual activity when you serve, when you're in that environment. I got to share with you for a few minutes here. One of the coolest things that has happened is that in our band of brothers that we do once a month, and this is an invitation to all you guys, there's no reason why we shouldn't have 150 guys there. We started two months ago, three months ago, to take intentional time in the middle of band of brothers in order to create a time of discussion. And it has been absolutely amazing the value of that time. I, I mean, I got, my, I got my ministry leaders going, man, you cut us off too soon. We, we needed another 10 minutes, you know? I got guys coming to me going, that's the best thing that I, the conversation that went on in our, around our table was amazing. Guys were honest. They just bared their souls to each other. It was incredible, okay? I, I walked away last Monday going, my story and whatever I did up here did not matter that much, okay? What happened at that table was incredible because, listen, hey, we're all at different places and, and if we accept each other where we are, we can help each other take that next step, okay? And, and, and if we know that the people around the table are for us, then, then we can just kind of say where we're at and, and we don't have to be ashamed of it, you know? And, 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 and that opens a door wide open for, for growth, okay? So that's, that's a really cool experience that, that we've been having. Um, remember that, that, that small groups and, and serving are, are basically the gym for spiritual training, okay? The, the Apostle Paul 
reminds us about spiritual training. He says, therefore, I do not, this is 1 Corinthians 9, 26. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and I make it my slave so that after I've preached the gospel to others, I myself do not find myself disqualified for the prize. I, I, I was just thinking, you know, how, you know how when you're at a party and they have the pinata and the person is like, can't hit it? That's, that's like haphazard training. This is called very specific training that he's talking about. Rhonda, she's not here in this service, but she is a marathon runner, okay? Now, I'm not a runner, and, and I don't see any reason to run other than getting away from a bear, okay? <laughs> Here's the thing. There might be some anticipation and some fun before the gun goes off, but after that, it's nothing but grinding it out. It's a battle between your, your body and your mind, and, and hopefully you've done the training that you need to do to make it to 26 miles. But here, once you cross the finish line, there's a sense of accomplishment. There's, there's actually this fruit that comes back to you after having made that effort. The kingdom of heaven is like that. Kingdom of God is like that. You know, we tend to spend a lot of time... Oh, actually, I uh, skipped a, over a, a, a scripture here. Um, Matthew six thirty three. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. We tend to spend a lot of our time and thoughts on things that don't really have any eternal value. Focus on God's priorities first. You might actually be surprised that you get a bunch of the other stuff that you want too, okay? Again, it's prioritizing so that God can bless you on his terms. Now, number five, start with small steps. This picture, you'll notice that there's no disturbance in the sand. You see, my step is probably going to be bigger than your step. For some people, it's going to be just scooting the foot just a little bit, okay? But it's important to take a step. So start with a small step and use that to gain some momentum. Develop some kind of rhythm of consistency and maintain it over the long haul. The Apostle Paul talks about that very thing in Philippians 3.13. He says, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet, or I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead. It's an ongoing process. It's going forward, it's pressing onward. And it's a lifelong, it's a lifelong process, okay? Now, I want to give you four key words that maybe you write these down and you put them on your mirror in your bathroom so that every time you walk by, you see them, 
okay? The first one is prioritize for the kingdom. Every decision that you make, make it go through the filter. Does this have kingdom priority or is this way down there on the bottom of the list? And order your life in that way. Number two, train through knowledge and practice. It's not enough to just know. It's actually to just know and not do anything with it is useless, okay? So take the things you learn and then give it some thought. Ask around, how can I put this to work? Persevere. Develop a long-term plan for consistency. How many of us in here have made New Year's resolutions to work out? Probably all of us, right? And so you start off really strong and about three months in, something happens. You don't go as much. Five months in, you're only going once a week. You know, and then, and then by the time you're halfway through the year, you're not even going to the gym. You're just, you're just giving them your money for free, okay? That, that's, uh, th honestly, that's a human tendency. And, and we need to recognize that and push through it. If we can push through it and make something a habit. I think of the, of the um, idea of a thousand, or, or the repetition, 10,000 repetitions make something that you can remember, that you can, that you can do. We have to kind of put in the, the repetitive work to get to that place where it becomes habit. And then, and then number, uh, the last one is fruit. Let's talk about fruit for a minute. I am always amazed. This morning, I had a brother in first service came up to me. He said, Pastor Dave, I'm, pre I'm praying for you this morning. He said, I'm just praying that God just brings what he has for us through you. I have people come up to me all the time and say, hey, Pastor Dave, I've been praying for you. You know what kind of blessing that is to me? This is hard work, okay? I remember back when I was, when I first started out, I was just running on the excitement. And then the second year, people would go, how do you, how do you like your job? I go, oh, I love it, but it's the hardest thing I've ever done, you know? And, and so pastoring is, is really difficult. It's full of challenges. It's full of... I mean, honestly, there's some days you just get up out of bed and, and show up because that's all you have in your tank, you know? And, uh, and, and so when somebody just out of the blue comes to me and says, hey, I've been praying for you, that is an immense blessing. We have the opportunity every day when we encounter somebody to do that same thing for them. Maybe it's helping a neighbor fix their fence. Maybe it's, maybe it's mowing the widow next door's yard. Maybe it's, maybe it's just putting your arm around somebody who, who's just going through a hard time. But the thing is that all that that you do comes back to you here and now, and then it's stocked away eternally also. And so just, just think of those opportunities and, 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 it, and try to experience that fruit. Peter and Andrew, James and John made a choice. They left the place they were, they went with Jesus, 
They didn't know, have a clue where they were going. They didn't have a clue what they were going to be doing. They just trusted Jesus to lead them. If we're going to be genuine followers of Jesus, then we also need to take those in, intentional steps in order to journey with Jesus. Now, my closing prayer is going to be a little different. A couple years ago, I came across this uh, this devotional prayer that was in a book that I had. And I want to share that with you because, because I think it's profound and I think it's all of us have been there or are there right now and need to say this prayer. So I want to just have you bow your heads and I'm going to just read this for you. It says, Father, I want to know thee, but my coward heart fears to give up its toys. Please root from my heart all the things which I have cherished so long and which have become part of my living self so that thou mayest enter and dwell there without rival. Amen. This morning's message is grown-up stuff. I want to challenge you to examine your heart. I want to, one of the things that we did with our band of brothers is we said to the guys, you know, just start a conversation with Jesus. Ask him who you should be praying for. Ask him who, who, you know, whatever. But, but just open up yourself to conversation and, and ask him where the next step is. I know I'm going over a little bit, but I'm going to tell you a story. I, I had a friend who, who, um, who encouraged me like crazy when, when I was younger. And I, I wasn't even thinking about being a pastor. I, in fact, I never wanted to be a pastor, but he saw something in me and he would encourage me. I'm sitting in my office here maybe two, three years ago. And, and just out of the blue, I, I thought of him and I thought, you know, I haven't talked to him for a while, I'm gonna call him. Turns out he had a tumor the size of a cantaloupe in his abdomen and it was wrapped around all his, all his stuff, all his blood vessels, everything. He, he, was, he was such a unique case that they brought in five surgeons to look at him individually before they went to surgery. But I got to be there because I listened to that prompting. And um, <laughs> I didn't mean to get emotional. Anyway, the Holy Spirit works in, a, in strange ways. And, and I got to be there for him and pray for him. You know, he didn't survive. He died about a year later, but that's not the point. You know, he's with the Lord today. And so I just want to I just want to challenge you to 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 open that gateway and allow the Holy Spirit to remove those barriers. I, I'm so happy that you're here. I'm so happy that I got to share my heart with you. I want you to just have a safe and wonderful weekend, and we look forward to seeing you next week. You are dismissed.